what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me is Chris Fry, and we are the co-producers, co-directors, co-founders, co-whatever you want to, the other titles you want to throw in the mix of the Foot Candle Film Festival and the Foot Candle Film Society. Foot Candle Film Festival coming up very, very soon. You'll hear about that a little bit later in the show some more. But this is our podcast where we discuss films and we do our reviews of films and we have a little bit of news discussion about some upcoming films in this episode as well. But Chris, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. I am looking forward to completing our Oppenhaunt Arby uh reviews because uh, most people did oh, walk, uh, walk me through that again. walk me <laughs> but, through that again so yeah we're going to do our we're going to complete okay. our Oppenhaunt Arby man is Ooh. that a, that's that's harder to say than yeah, Barbenheimer that's the easy way out because most you know we're talking about doing Barbie and Oppenheimer and we did Oppenheimer then we had a review of Haunted Mansion so this week we're finally getting around to Barbie which was truly the other movie that people were talking about that right. was centering around. We just slid in a haunted mansion in the middle. Um, yes. Just to, to make break a much harder a thing to say. Well, as Chris, um, so eloquently just explained, <laughs> we're, uh, we are going to be reviewing the film Barbie today. Barbie, uh, obviously did come out the same weekend as Oppenheimer. We talked about Oppenheimer a couple weeks ago, but you know, we did, uh, we did catch up with Barbie and thought we, uh, we need to give Barbie some due and some time to talk about that movie as well. The latest from uh, writer director Greta Gerwig, starring Margot Robbie. So we're going to give a review of that film here in just a second, and then afterwards, uh, we thought it'd be good. Kind of we're at a halfway point of the 2023 year, uh, maybe a little past halfway, but we're through the what I consider the the summer is more or less done. I think there's sure. not really any big summer releases left. So we thought we'd take a few minutes and discuss the rest of 2023 as we've moved past summer, what's coming up in the fall, and definitely come awards time, awards season, and the winter. What's what's on the docket for 2023? What are the films left to come out? And where's our excitement level on certain certain titles? So we're going to do a little bit of the remainder of 2023 preview later in the episode. But first, we are going to talk Barbie. Uh, Chris, you have your pink jumper on. I noticed perfect for the review. I'm so glad you came uh, appropriately dressed for this. <laughs> and we are looking forward to discussing uh, Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me after the box office failure of 2016's Max Steel, a superhero film based on a toy action figure, Mattel Playground Productions was closed down. 
In 2018, the division was revived and reformed as Mattel Films. The first film to be released by this phoenix rising from the celluloid ashes is the live-action-filmed version of Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, co-written by Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, and starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. The film has proved to be more successful than all of its plastic doll-focused predecessors, including such titles as Barbie and the Secret Door, Barbie and Her Sisters in the Great Puppy Adventure, and Barbie Spy Squad. <laughs> what was, that was my favorite. <laughs> what, what was your experience with the film, Alan, and what do you think accounts for its success? And more importantly, what song are you more angry that the film got stuck in your head? The Indigo Girls, Closer to Fine, or Matchbox 20's Push? <laughs> I will admit, I might have been humming Push a little bit uh, late last night after after the screening. Um, all right, so you, you, uh, the question you fired at me. Uh, you asked, what did I What did I think? Sure. The okay, well, first off, I love the movie. Okay. I thought the movie was tons of fun. I... Like many, many aspects of it, have very few misgivings of it. I think it worked on all the levels I was hoping it would work on and surprised me in a few areas that I didn't expect. Um, I, I, I will say there's not, I don't have any weaknesses of the film. There's a couple things I wish the film was a little stronger in that we could talk about a little bit later. But overall, I think it is a, a really, really fun, great film. Um, I'm all for any time a film can be creative inventive work on a both a meta level and then also have something important to say and i think this film does all of those things while also being incredibly entertaining and funny very very funny as well um i don't know if it would have worked as well without honestly without margot roby and uh, uh ryan gosling because i do feel like i mean it, they they make this film work the film could possibly work without them in the lead roles but they just really brought it home with their performances. So I was really impressed on both fronts uh, with what they were, what they were tasked to do in this film, the production design, the look and feel of the film. It's just, you do feel like you are in a giant playset for half the film. It's just really, really a, a kind of a cool look and a cool environment. Um, and everybody just seemed to be on board with having, uh, making this film work. So I, uh, it's going to be a boring review, but I mean, I just, I, I did like this film quite a bit. Um, it got a little, uh, sentimental, got a little emotional sometimes in the movies, which was surprising. Uh, I was there with, you know, I, I was true. Were you dressed I, in pink, Alan? I was not, okay. no, but I, I was in the minority as far as male, female ratio in, in the theater. But what was, um, what I love look around seeing is there were just a wide variety of different women in the theater that I feel like we're all getting different things from the movie hmm. and all of it good. So okay. uh, if a movie can pull that off and be incredibly entertaining, then uh, kudos to it. So I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I liked it. So Chris, uh, my gut feel is I think you're on the same page, but I want to hear you say it for sure, for sure to see if you validate <laughs> or see if I'm wrong. Right. No, you're, I, you, you have perceived correctly. I, I am a fan of the film. Um, you know, coming off last week's review of Haunted Mansion, that's an uh, IP. You know, it's a ride that's been with Disney for a long time. They take that and they made a movie. You and I were not that impressed. We thought it, you know, had some good things, but overall just not that taken with it. And I think what it lacked was kind of a really unique perspective mm -hmm. on the IP, the intellectual property. And that's what I feel like Greta Gerwig was able to do with Barbie. It's like 
instead of just making, oh, a comedy that was just a very light comedy that didn't have anything kind of to hook you in, anything deeper. Right. Um, it would have been kind of boring and I think kind of hard to do because it, it just wouldn't have been as interesting. But she kind well, of took... But I'm sorry, but even when we hinted at in Haunted Mansion where they it felt like they were wanting to get into right. something, that was where we were starting to get interested and then it just didn't go anywhere. So, right. yeah, this movie, no, they totally go... They leaned into they, it. They, they lean into it, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And uh, going in, I was, I was thinking that it was going to be kind of like a mashup of the Truman Show and the Lego movie. Um, Lego movie being a big I, you know, IP thing, you know, and they made a movie of it and it was actually good, which surprised me because I was like, why do I want to see a Lego movie? I saw it. I loved it. And the whole Truman Show aspect, because it's something that gets a realization of a world outside that they're familiar with. And actually, I was kind of like, you know, and if I already had that idea in my head, I feel like from the trailers, which I tried to stay away from, but I ended up seeing them, I was going to be kind of bored mm-hmm. because I thought, yeah, there's nothing you know, it's like I already kind of get the idea. And I felt like maybe the trailer showed me too much, you know. And so I was like, I, but it, I was wrong. It, It is kind of that, but it's a lot more. And something that surprised me was that, like you said, it was funny, which I thought it was capable of being that. But it, it really kind of does lean into being something a little bit more and talking about, you know, the, <laughs> the big word that's mentioned. I don't think I've ever seen a movie, definitely rated PG-13, that talks about this topic or mentions the word patriarchy mm-hmm. quite as much as this film does. And I still found it entertaining. I can see how some people might feel like it's, you know, maybe we're already kind of not, it wasn't negative for me, but I can see how some people would be like, it's preaching too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it, it, it wasn't like teaching me anything I didn't already know. So I guess for that reason, it didn't seem as heavy to me. Well, and, and I think too, I mean, should a film be in quote preachy and, and that word is even kind of a bad way to describe the, what films can do. Right. But this idea that, okay, should a, uh, a movie based on a popular character or popular property be quote preachy or have messages to say, well, yes and no, but Barbie kind of just, it sets itself up for it where it, there it has does. to be a discussion about this. Sure. And there's a point in the film and, and, and you know, I think we can talk in generalities about the plot and, you know, without getting too deep on, on where it goes in the film. But, but there's a moment in the, in the film where there's kind of a, an epiphany that the main, the, the stereotypical Barbie goes through played by Margot Robbie, Barbara, played by Margot Robbie confronting a young girl that she's meeting in the real world who basically lays out for her. Like, no, this is what Barbie <laughs> represents to us. Right. And it's that, dichotomy because like at, earlier in the whole first half of the film, we're, we're just hearing what Barbie means to one segment of people mm-hmm. and how it has such positive values to them. But then sure. there's another population that sees it as negative values. And it's like, okay, how do we reconcile all that and make that work? And it involves a little bit of preaching and it lends itself to this movie and it works. Uh, yes. Is it heavy handed? Yeah, sure. It has some heavy messages to share. It absolutely let you know what it's, what its opinions are and it's hearts on its sleeve, the whole movie. But for a subject matter, like Barbie, a doll that for generations has kind of been a, a little bit of a, this is the, the representation of the woman, the girl, the, the, the female in our society. Yeah. I think there's a lot to chew on. There's a lot to say, and there's a lot to reconcile with. 
I'm impressed that, you know, Mattel films helped made this movie and Mattel doesn't come off super great in the movie. And I thought that was kind of a bold move. It's like, you know, it's letting Mattel be, I mean, for a good part of the movie, Mattel is a all male run corporation that we right. see in the film that looks to be trying to stop Barbie from do, being the kind of character I mean, she can be. But said head of corporation is Will Ferrell. So right. Yeah, I know. But I mean, and that's even <laughs> itself a little bit of kind of poking fun at the idea of uh, we're a corporation and we have this doll and here we are trying to put the doll back in the box and make it, you know, the right. kind of doll that, that little girls are going to want as opposed to a doll that could actually represent, you know, women today and, yeah, it, it was. I thought it was a little daring and admirable that Mattel Films was like, "No, it's okay. We can we can kind of be a little we bit. We can of take the, a joke. We can take a joke. We can be a little bit of the all male dominated corporate uh, office type of thing, um, and even having some pretty funny jokes about the leadership roles at Mattel over the years. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was it was good. I think uh, okay. you know it is the most meta of meta films, and that it is which I was not. I mean, I knew they would make winking stuff, but I wasn't aware it was going to get quite as meta as it yeah. did. So. Well, and just and just so everybody understands a little bit of the plot, you know, of the film, because we we kind of just jump right into the to the review. Uh, you know, we have a character in Barbie, and everybody is named Barbie in Barbie world. I mean, all women Barbie are Land. Barbies. Barbie Land, sorry, Barbie Land, and all men are Ken. Well, except for Alan. Alan. I got to admit, being an Alan myself, I, <laughs> I, I felt a little association with Alan throughout the movie. So Played um, by Michael Sarah. Played by Michael Sarah. Though Alan is Ken's best friend and just kind of, is always just kind of there. <laughs> Can wear all of Ken's clothes. <laughs> so, um, but Margot Robbie as Barbie, as the stereotypical Barbie, you have Barbie land where everybody is a Barbie, but they have different roles as Barbies. But Margot Robbie is the, quote, stereotypical one. And she finds a reason why she actually has to venture to the real world. So they are very clear in letting you know there's a Barbie land and then there's the real world. And the real world, as we know it, she has a reason to go there to seek out someone to find out what might be going on with her and some emotions she's having. And that's where the plot kind of lands to. All the while, also Ken, played by Ryan Gosling, um, Great performance. I think it was just so much fun I th- to watch. I'm, I'm trying to think of another, a more likable, charming villain doofus that has ever yeah. been in film. And I don't think I can really come up with one. Cause yeah, it's, he's got a, he's got to do, he's got a, a very delicate line to walk mm. where you never hate him, but he is kind of the antagonist with a lot of what's going on, but he's yeah. so likable. And so he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> And they have an interesting path with him because Ken, as you know, with Barbie and Ken, is kind of always seen as being with Barbie. And that's played off in the film. There's a a discussion about what it means for the Ken to be in the relation to the Barbie. And uh, Ken's exposure to the real world as he travels with Barbie is very, very different as he sees the real world. Very much the patriarchy, as you you said. That's where that word starts to, to weave in. So he decides that that's more of the pathway he feels like he needs to go. And uh, that's where the conflict in the film kind of comes together for the latter half. So I, uh, yeah, Ken, Ken's Ken, Ryan Gosling's performance. You, you mentioned it. It's, it is very funny. Yeah. You never, like you said, you never hate Ken. No, you feel, I feel sorry for Ken most of the time <laughs> yeah. because even, even the film does a great admirable job of while 90% of it is, 
dealing with the fact that the role that women play in our society and have played for generations and, you know, the role that men have played and that, the, again, using that word, the patriarchy and kind of that. So much of the movie is about that, rightfully so. But it doesn't skirt on the fact that, hey, look, you know, Ken, Ken's also been in Barbie's world. Right. Kind of the second fiddle. He's always been the one that's there only to serve Barbie as well. So you, they play both sides and they let you see both angles of it. Now, granted, here in the real world, yes, we obviously have a more male-dominated society. But they're also saying, hey, look, even in the toy world, we realize things things need to be there's need to, there's everybody's got to have their own personality everybody's got to have their own character right. their own desires and that's okay that's good and we want to foster that so i think the film's got some great messages for i mean for everybody it's great i mean it's, it's good messages for me even sure. as a as a male just to hear and <laughs> remind myself about the roles that we all need to be playing and should be playing in society and uh I think uh, girls can get a lot of inspiration from this and get a lot of, uh, um, I don't know. It, it was just, uh, it just worked. It just worked on all those levels. Well, and I, I mentioned one of the things for me, you know, I didn't know, I knew, yeah, I knew the kind of general outlines of the film, but I was like, how is this going to be funny? And, you know, the lights went down and the opening sequence was satirizing 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it could it could totally fail after this opening sequence, but their commitment to detail. But it wasn't just. I mean, it was it was laying out kind of the mm-hmm. history of Barbie, but doing yeah. just like 2001 lays out the history of mankind, like just absolute genius. And I was like won over by that. Um, Unfortunately, I had seen that in an early teaser oh, trailer. I'm I know. so glad. I'm so disappointing. Seen that. Because as soon as the sun, you saw the sun rising shot, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know I've seen this in a, in a teaser and I wish I hadn't because that would have been great. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I actually got a tear in my eye because I was laughing so much. I was like, and you know, I, I could appreciate like the shot for shot things there. I was like, oh man, you know, just, man, just knocked me over. Um, <laughs> and something else, and this happens semi late in the film, not, I won't spoil anything, but um, for the filmmaker to be able to kind of take a poke, you know, they're poking at Barbie, they're poking at the patriarchy, they're you know, making all these jokes. Later, kind of late in the film, there's a point where the narrator, which is done by Helen Mirren, which is awesome, um, she has a line that kind of breaks the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's during this crucial sequence when Margot Ruby is like saying something's great. And she makes this joke and everyone in the theater died, like yeah. just was like laughing. I'm like, that's awesome to be able to, you know, kind of, critiquing Hollywood. I mean, yeah. just the whole thing, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it's like, okay, that also very funny. So I was surprised that for a film that was, you know, had a lot of lessons there, it was still able to be very entertaining and very funny. So. The only, only joke that they never really kind of rebounded from. And I kept expecting them to just because I, I just thought it was a little out of place. It was funny, but a little mm-hmm. out of place it has to do with Midge, the uh, pregnant Barbie. Um, <laughs> if there is a pregnant Barbie and it, what's clever about the film too, is in the end credits, you actually see like commercials and ads for the various Barbies that you saw in the film. So, I mean, they are them, all, yeah, they, they are, are all based I wouldn't on, think they were real, but they apparently, no, they are absolutely real. are. And Midge yeah. is the pregnant Barbie. Which I, I do remember 
that. Oh no, like, yeah, briefly. it was a real thing. Yeah, I, mean, I remember yeah, the yeah. news stuff surrounding. And it. And they, it's 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 played for jokes in the film. It never gets it's, it never gets a a, a redemption moment right. of like anything, which I thought was kind of surprising because it's kind of a played for a joke that oh yeah we we discontinued that one that freaked people out so <laughs> type right. of thing. Uh, but it was still it was funny. It was funny in the in the midst of the film. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah, it's got a couple musical numbers, which I thought were fun. Um, I thought there's a the whole Ken's. Um, is it I'm just Ken? Is that the name of the song? That turns or, into like a big production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it goes into full um, stage production. It's actually beautiful. I mean, it's a really well done <laughs> musical sequence. Which I was sequence. not expecting. No, that. no. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of little surprises in the film. A lot of nice, nice touches. Um, I think a appearance by someone late in the film that you come to find out the role they play in Barbie's world was touching and nice. And just, uh, you know, the end, the end definitely went for the sentimental route. I think, and, and it worked. I, I I think the ending was still, was good. It's probably of the whole film the ending may have been my least favorite, but it's still good. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, it okay. might've leaned a little too heavy into messages for a bit longer than it needed to. And I felt like those messages had already been kind of really hammered home quite a bit. Okay. It just kind of kept piling on the, the <laughs> same message, which again, I get it. You know, you, you want to make sure people walk away with the right, the right things in their head. But, uh, I can, it was a little heavy. I can see what you're at saying. the very, at the very, very end. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. And I might've felt the same way, except for the final line delivered by oh, no, stereotypical no. Barbie. No, no, no. I can't believe a Greta Gerwig got away yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. And that just kind of like, man, it was, it no, was, no, no, that, that, that last little button. And then even the ending credits with all the, all the toys and ads sure. was great. It's the more of the, uh, there's an elongated sequence with Barbie having a long dialogue yeah, with someone. That's the part where it's like, okay, I, I think we got it. I mean, I definitely, I think we all got it and right. it just, it just tended to go a little bit longer and a little bit deeper than maybe it needed to. But other than that, I mean, I still enjoyed it and it was just of all the parts of the film, that was probably where the uh, tension might've waned just a tear. Um, but otherwise it was, it was all great. Well, it's interesting that you kind of point out that part. I haven't, you know, I've have heard other reviews about Barbie that have mentioned not that part, but a different part in the film that they felt kind of sidetracked the film a little bit, which I think, I mean, they, they mm. understand the point of it, but they thought it was a little much. But for me, it totally, totally worked. Which point was that? Um, and it was the monologue that America Ferrara kind of gives oh, to no. encourage the Barbies oh, no, to that kind was of great. rally around and go against what Barbie Land has tried to. Mm-hmm. Barbie Land got kind of turned upside down. And yeah. so then they she has this kind of rallying monologue. And... I, you know, the whole thing, I mean, I thought it was really good and I didn't think it went on too long. And the only thing I could figure is like, wow, you know, I guess I don't know who knows what the, (laughs) the things are that make somebody be nominated for best supporting actress. But if you can just say, okay, the person had one scene Mm -hmm. and plays it like that scene when she gives that monologue, I thought was amazing. I'm like, well, if if you can do it just based on that, (laughs) like, I, I, it was so, and so she, she's in the rest of the film. She plays a mom in the real world. Mm-hmm. 
and she has a daughter who's the daughter that you mentioned was kind of uh, antagonistic towards stereotypical Barbie. But the mom has this chance to kind of say all these things and just, I thought basically speaking for women everywhere. And I mean, there again, I'm looking around the theater while that scene's playing out and just a lot of people, you know, a lot of head nodding. It's like, (laughs) yep, uh, that's correct. That is absolutely correct. Everything that's being said on screen. So it's resonating. It's important. And they, they turned it into a plot point, which was, I think, impressive. And they were able to, okay, so that they're not really in that model. Here's, here's what makes this stand out for me. And why I think it worked ultimately is they did have a point that monologue was like, okay, here we are. We're going to just lay it all out there and make this point. But then afterwards they used comedy to kind of turn the point and like show how they were going to counterbalance all this in, in or like inequalities. Mm-hmm. And they were joking about, for instance, um, using a guy going on and on about the Godfather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can we, and the, one of the females or the, the Barbie that's with him says, can we start this movie over from the beginning and let, you know, you talk, so you can tell me all so about it. Yeah. All right. about, like those little things. And like, yes, I'm a guy. Yes. I like talking. I'm obviously talking about movies on this podcast, but calling out those things, but making it funny. Oh yeah. So it's kind of like, if you can make a teachable moment funny, that's awesome. No, it was, it, <laughs> and that's it was, what I think this film is. It's an incredibly do. smart script. And, right. and I think that, I mean, Ultimately, you, know, you can have all the the visuals and the performances can be funny and engaging, but it's got to still say something. And the script for this movie absolutely says something and does it in an entertaining way. The idea that we get a very, what could be seen as a very cliche plot of, you know, Barbie goes to real world and then when she comes back, things have changed and she's got a conflict with this and turn it into a much bigger discussion about gender politics and the roles we all play and uh, an acceptance level for one another. I don't know. It just, it all just worked. And and, and I I was really impressed with how they tied it together, made it an endearing and and emotional film while also being one of the funnier movies I've seen in a while too. And uh, I think it was great. I'm a, I'm a big fan, big fan of Barbie. Yeah. I'm on the same page with you. The immediate fear, because you know, I'm a, I'm a dork and a film critic. The, the immediate fear I have after watching, like you said, the credits, which were entertaining as you know, um, but the film ends and I'm like, okay, I really hope this is a one and done. Um, because, mm-hmm. but I mean, I understand as we've talked many times on the show, filmmaking is a business mm-hmm. and it is, you know, you, you put so much money into things you want them to succeed. And then when they do the temptation, like, well, instead of gambling, why don't we go for something? Sure. Yeah. I really hope that this is a one and done. Supposedly Greta Gerwig has said like, you know, I'm not, you know, things could change, but I'm not interested in doing in another film. This is what I want. So I have seen somebody say that what if they do make a sequel? It's all focused on Ken. Noah Baumbach directs that and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach co-write it together. But then he writes, maybe that would make for something interesting, but mm. I don't know. I'm just don't mess with a good um, thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I it, it all depends on what the desire is to make it. If sure. it's all driven by, oh, hey, this thing is making tons of money. <laughs> yeah. Mattel's like, yeah, let's do another one. Okay, yeah, no. But if there's something else to be said, somebody else has an idea of a way to extend the story and still make it meaningful and make it, I don't know. It, it just, 
this is a little bit of magic in a bottle. So I, it I is, feel like it, it is, is yeah. it is, t- it'd be tough to replicate, I think for sure. But, um, yeah. And I mean, can I just say how, how cool it is and how much I love the fact that if you go to look on this film on like IMDb website, you know, where they list all the cast members sure. and show their, it's everybody is listed as Barbie or Ken. <laughs> I mean, it's, seriously, cool. I've got 30 actors here and it's all Barbie, the women Barbie, are Barbies. Barbie, Barbie. All the guys are Ken, except for Alan. Right. By Michael Sarah. And except for Midge, Midge is the only one who gets her own name in the credits, like not being a Barbie, right. which is sad, but, um, right. yeah, no, I, I think this works on all the levels that needed to work on. Um, I think Margot Robbie is really, really strong in this role. I mean, she's an actress. I, I feel like I don't think she's had that big, I, Tanya. St- no, no, I'm saying big starring like blockbuster oh, role where it's like that's where she she's been in so many good films sure. and she's been so good in so many good films. Sure. And I think her Harley Quinn was probably the closest she got to having that that universal role where but people, like, people just, aren't going to take her seriously. Right. But yeah, like I can't think of her. When I think like Harley Quinn, like I, if somebody else were to play it, I'm like, yeah, but Margot Ruby, like yeah. she's done it, you know, yeah. So, but I, I have re- had read reports that you know, anytime that she was like headlining a film, the film like kind of underperformed or didn't do as well, so they were worried about whether she could carry an entire film type uh, of thing. Because okay. even as Harley Quinn, she's great. Like she really she's, helped propel like the Suicide Squad movies, right? But the movie that was. I think Birds of Prey, which was kind of her a little thing. bit more her starring, didn't perform as well. So it was right. like, there was a lot of questions about that. I think this puts it to rest. It's like, no, she can carry a film. She <laughs> sure. is a, a strong performer. Um, yeah, it's great. And then again, uh, tons of love for Ryan Buck Gosling for doing this role. <laughs> so it was great. I think it, yeah, it'll be curious to see, which we're going to get to in the news section, whether or not the uh, Academy Awards this year is just going to be the Barbenheimer <laughs> Academy Awards. Um, uh, do you think this will? This, do you think that this is like Academy Award material? And I'm being out just. I'm, I'm being right. very practical here. Sure. Not saying you know, like whether I, we want it to be or type right. of thing. But I mean, do you think this can be? Well, you know, okay. So because it is not animated, unlike those titles that I joked about in the introduction, yeah. those were all like animated. This is live action. So I think things are more, and like Lego movie was not, you know, it wasn't live action. So I think this is more likely to be taken seriously. And because it does have those points about talking about women's roles and everything, mm-hmm. I think there's a chance. Now, some things like you mentioned, the costume design, the production design, all that. I don't, I don't see how that cannot be nominated. I think production design has got to be yeah, uh, now, uh, in the mix on that acting for sure. Wise, I mean, you know, it's hard to say no, the no. field. But my biggest question is, would uh, Gosling be supporting or would he be actor? Would He'd be supporting. You think he would yeah, be? Yeah, it'd have to be supporting, I would think. Yeah. I think you really only have one lead and that's actress, Margaret. and that's Margaret okay, Roby. Fair enough. Everybody else, I think, is supporting. And Look, I, I love everybody's performance here. I think sure. Roby and Gosling are the only two that really have a chance of getting recognition. See, I, I think I they're. I don't know that they they could win because yeah. going up, if you just if you take the two films, like Barbenheimer, if you take Oppenheimer, yeah, it's tough to. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's because the the material, it's tough to see that. But just I, I, I hope this squeaks in the field of best picture nominations. If or they go, about, if they go up to like nine or ten, like they have been, you know, I think that's got a chance of being in there. And it could adapt its screenplay because they're taking an the existing screenplay. property. Yeah, yeah, I would think screenplay. I think screenplay, production design. 
nomination for best picture. I don't expect it to win best picture, but it, I mean, it could be in the mix. And I'd love to see, I'd love to see both Margaret Roby and Ryan Gosling, at least in the field for acting. Um, or do you just want to see him? Um, what's the song, the Ken song? I, I, is it, I'm just Ken? Is I'm that the name? Ken, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. To see uh, Ryan Gosling perform that for best original song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. I, I did have to read a little article too about how the uh, front man for, um, um, Matchbox Twenty. Matchbox Twenty got contacted about how, supposedly. Uh, supposedly, I've Gre- always wondered about stuff like that. Well, supposedly, Greta like, Gerwig reached out to him directly, okay. asking to like, be able to use this, Mister Thomas. <laughs> yeah, and supposedly they were because for those who haven't seen the film and still listening to this, Ryan Gosling does do a rendition of the song "Push" by Matchbox Twenty. As you come to find out, it's one of his favorite songs, which is played for a joke. Yep, uh, because the idea is that Ken is not supposed to have the best taste in music or style at that point. Right. Um, but supposedly the lead singer of Matchbox 20 was okay with it because he thought the rendition that Ken gave in the film was actually a little more heartfelt than he would have expected it to be. And a little more, there was, there was some real meaning behind the performance, whether we take that or not, but <laughs> it was still very funny. Right. It was, it was used well in the film. And I mean, I guess to the benefit of Matchbox 20, like I said, that song, I had not thought about that song in a long time Mm -hmm. and it was definitely stuck in my head. So, yeah. And then you mentioned the Indigo Girls closer to fire. And I guess, yeah, that, that became like kind of the little bit of the, the, the rallying mantra in the film and several points. So yeah, it was, uh, it was good. Now I'm very, very happy with this film. Very, very happy. I, you know, wasn't there a version of Barbie that was supposed to be taking place like years ago, production wise with, um, who's Amy the Schumer? Amy Schumer. There was. Yeah. But that didn't involve Greta Gerwig at all. That was like a whole there, different take It was take somebody on else it. that was going to direct it. Yeah. 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 And then she stepped away and things, you know, typical Hollywood, like I said in the, this, they originally announced in 2018, okay. that this was going to be Barbie, and it's taken, we're now in 2023. Five years So later. it's taken this long time. Well, I think they found the right, the right chemistry, the right magic for it. So I'm all for Hollywood taking its time. If it means <laughs> you get a good product at the end of the day. So absolutely. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Good movie. That is Barbie. And we are both uh, pretty high on it. Big fans of the film. It is playing. I mean, look, Everywhere. I went, I went on a Thursday night. Um, and it was my theater was sold out, like basically sold out. I, when I grabbed my tickets, they were like two of the only two in a pair left. Okay. And it was a small theater, but still, I mean, still, it's a Thursday evening. It's, you right. know, during the week. And I was surprised at the crowd. So this thing's got a lot of legs. It's going to be around for a while. So, all right. That is Barbie uh, by Greta Gerwig, starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling. We are fans. We recommend checking it out. Um, don't let any preconceived stigmas get in your way. There's something to be had for everybody. This is a fun movie. So, all right, Chris, uh, let's take a quick little break. And when we come back, we're going to do our preview of the remainder of 2023. What movies are still in the hopper to be coming out this year? Now, Greg, there may be some shifts. We'll talk about those scheduling wise, but what are the, the highlights for the rest of the year that we want to keep our eye on? That's coming up here in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on The Mesh. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, 
visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. We had our very positive review of the film Barbie earlier in this episode. Yes, Chris and I both loved it and recommend everybody go out and see it. Uh, Good times at the movies for sure. So let's uh, turn our attention now to what's coming up the rest of the year, Chris. We have, we are at the, as of the recording of this, it's in the later part of July. We are, I think we're pretty much done with the summer as far as movies go. From what I can tell, looking at the schedule, I mean, I know summer technically goes until like September on a calendar basis or so. There's not that many new movies coming or big movies coming out the rest of like August or so. Um, sure. So we're really starting to turn our attention more towards looking at films between now and December. And of course, as you get closer to the end of the year, the general theory is that those are the films that are going more for award acclaim and nominations in the year. Right. I, I, I would I would argue with that a little bit. I don't think that's quite as cut and dry as it was in years past. I think, you know, with streaming schedules and release schedules and different studio players, I think award contention is a little broader than just that October, November, December timeframe. But still, that's probably where we're going to get a majority of our, our nominated films. So let's do this, Chris. Let's kind of hit the highlights of films. I'm going to kind of throw out some months and a few of the films coming out those months. Okay. That are still kind of on the radar, some some bigger films or films that might be ones worth attention uh, to pay attention to as we go forward, and just get some quick reactions to how we're feeling about the rest of the year 2023. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay. So I'll go ahead and say for August, which is you know just a few days away at the time of this recording, August 2023, really the big films in August, um, we do have... The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is a okay. new vampire Dracula movie. I'm excited about it, but I also feel like it could be garbage. <laughs> I I don't know. Sure. I, it's hard to say. I'm intrigued by the premise, the early days, early type of vampire Dracula on the boat of the Demeter on his way to, I believe it's to America. America. Yeah. I think so, yeah. So um, the, uh, it looks like the whole movie takes place on a boat. I'm kind of excited so about that premise. Yeah, I like that yeah, a lot. Sure. So we'll see. But again, it could be trash too. We'll see. Last Voyage of the Demeter, uh, Gran Turismo. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? You've seen the trailer, I'm sure, a few oh, times because I know it's been in front of the movies I've seen too. So and it'd be one thing if it'd be one thing if it was just a Gran Turismo movie, which Gran Turismo, my understanding, is a video game. It is. Okay. So a, a car they, racing video game. If they were just making that, I would have Absolutely no interest. But the one thing that I'm like, oh, well, that is interesting, is the premise of the movie is not just making a movie about a video game, but the thing that apparently happened in real life, where they took some uh, people who were young people who were really skilled at actually driving the video game and made them real world Mm -hmm. race car drivers. Okay. I was not aware that had happened. That is interesting. So. Could that be an interesting movie? Maybe. Well, I mean, and it does. I think we've mentioned this before. Neil Blomkamp is the director. District 9. District 9, which I did see a kind of a funny meme somebody put up online. The fact that every movie Neil Blomkamp has made 
the trailer or teaser marketing for it always says from the director of District 9. Not Chappie. Doesn't matter what other <laughs> film. Like He's done five films since then. Right. Every film has been from the director of District, District 9, 9 because that seems to be the only movie that actually worked for anybody and was successful. Um, so it's it's Neil Blomkamp, which is at least interesting. Yeah. It does have uh, uh, David Harbour in it, who I really like. Yeah. Orlando Bloom's in it. I mean... And I like the fact that it's based on a real story. So who knows? Yeah, because if it was just the thing about the video game, I yeah, think yeah. you're the same thing. You yeah. wouldn't care. But, but it's as like, soon oh, as you okay. realize it's a true story, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm at least curious. Sure. I want to hear some early reviews from people who get a, ha- a chance to see it and if there's anything worth checking out on that or not. Um, also, Blue Beetle is the next DC movie coming out in August. I feel so bad for Blue Beetle. Yeah. And I have not seen it yet, but I did. It was one of, I'm sure you're the same way. Mm-hmm. Barbie had like what felt like 50 previews mm-hmm. <laughs> before it. This was one of them. And we've talked about collective superhero burnout. Yeah. You know, the, and I feel like everyone in the theater kind of groaned. I saw people looking at their watches yeah. when the Blue Beetle preview came on. And it's like, yeah, I just, regardless of how good it may be, I feel bad for it because I feel like it's just... Well, it's it's coming at a horrible time because, I mean, Flash bombed. Right. That's got all in the news. People knew how bad that movie tanked at the box Which office. Which I'm on record saying I Yeah, I, I mean, it. you liked it. I yeah. thought it was okay, but yeah. um, I don't think it deserved the bashing it got for sure. Um, and then, you know, they've already said that you know, DC is going in a whole nother direction with this movie. So right. this is kind of like a little leftover film in a way, possibly, I don't know. And then relatively unknowns in it, which I'm all for, I think is great, but unfortunately it's not going to help it out in the box office. You know, uh, it does seem to be a Latino family, which I think is awesome. And that is true to this recent version of the character in the comic okay. books, which is great, but I just don't know if it's going to create a draw. So yeah, I feel bad for it too. I feel um, bad for it. Um, something that I will say does make me kind of interested in it is Susan Sarandon plays a villain. Yeah. So I'm like, I didn't oh, know that okay. until I saw the trailer just last night on that. So it was interesting. So I don't, I, the, the forecast for blue Beetle are already incredibly low. Okay. Like they're saying <laughs> it's going to be like very little money made opening weekend. They're already projecting. Gotcha. So if it does anything better than that, it may actually be kind of considered a little bit of a success. So, so that's kind of the ones in August that we've got coming out. Big ones. Okay. We get into September. Did you know Denzel Washington's making another Equalizer movie? I This is the third one, right? Yes. And my follow-up question, have you seen any of the Denzel Washington Equalizer movies? No, but yeah, apparently the franchise does have its fans. Okay. Um, so now I did, I had heard that he was making a third one and I, unfortunately I can't really get excited about it. But yeah. I, I look, I love Denzel Washington. I and, but I just, I never, I never got interested in the first one and I haven't really seen or heard enough about follow-ups to make me feel interested in them. I could be wrong. It could be one of those franchises where it was like, yeah, it's actually good entertaining action movies, but, um, haven't got into it. I, I've, I've heard very, very little about this film. It's supposed to be coming out September one, but. Oh, wow. So pretty yeah, soon. Pretty soon. I haven't seen anything else from it. Uh, a Haunting in Venice is coming out in mid-September. That's the new uh, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Hercule Poirot series of the Agatha Christie uh, book adaptations. Now, I will say, I thought the trailer was kind of cool. I, I did, too. 
Uh, I think going with definitely more of a supernatural, uh, a little creepier, scarier aspect to the story. Uh, obviously, it deals with ghosts. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of the idea of a ghost. Um, it's got an interesting cast behind it. I think Tina Fey's in this. I mean, some other care- people I wouldn't have expected. It looks good. I've not. I was not a fan of the Murder of the Orient Express, the first one of this series that Kenneth Branagh did. I thought it was pretty dull. And did you just, see Death on the Nile? I did not. See, no. I did, and I'm not a fan of either one. Of okay, them, so. I haven't been a fan of what he's done with, with it. It just it just seems like a very paint by numbers, very simple. What what bothered me the most with that first Orient Express movie is I felt like the mystery was not something based on the film that you could have ever possibly figured out. It's like, <laughs> right. it was so convoluted. convoluted. There's just no way that a human could watch this movie and think, Oh, maybe I think I can figure out. And that's the fun of a mystery movie is it's gotta be something that you could figure out if you paid attention to everything and saw, right. I don't know if that's going to continue with this, this version or not, but at least the trailers and the way it's shown look more interesting. So I'm curious about that. Um, outside of that, <laughs> The Expendables have a fourth movie coming out. Never, Never seen any of those. I either. haven't either. Yeah. yeah. No. So it's action, kind of a comedy too, right? Because the Yeah. Whole thing I mean, I think it's one of those actions where everybody's wink, wink. saying uh, catchphrases and funny right. things to each other. But yeah. Right. We have another Saul movie coming out, Saul 10. I, I thought we were finally done with that. I think because uh, if you remember, Chris Rock tried to do kind of Spiral. a... Uh, yeah. Yeah, he did a little bit of like a revisionist kind of version of it. And I don't think that that hit for anybody at all. So I think they said, no, we'll just go back to the go back to the franchise. <laughs> so we've got Saul 10 wow. coming out. Now, the only film I do think is interesting in September that I'm curious about is The Creator. And that is the film... Um, it is by Gareth Edwards. Okay. It is a science fiction film. It's starring uh, John David Washington, Jimmy uh, Chan, Allison Janney. Uh, it is, I, I think, you know, from what we see from the, like, the trailer, it is a guy having to kind of rescue a human robot messiah kid who could hold the key to the world's future. It, it was a big high concept movie. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it looks good. I like John David Washington quite a bit. Yeah. I like Gareth Edwards as a director. So I am optimistic on this one. It getting a September release is not the most reassuring isn't, isn't release. Well. No, because if it was high confidence, you put it out in summer. September's kind of a dump month for things. So I don't know. I don't know how the creator is going to be, but I am of the ones I've mentioned in September. That's the one I would kind of gravitate to. What I am seeing though, Chris, is that we have very few things to review in the month of September <laughs> ah, that see. we are going to be excited about reviewing. Well, maybe we'll just do a uh, <laughs> an equalizer buildup. <laughs> we'll watch. And we got to go back one, and revisit the equalizer the series. Yeah. There's also the Nun too, which I didn't know the Nun was now a franchise, but which, there is. That's a spinoff of something as well, right? I don't think so. It's I think not the a nun was of like Insidious oh, or something. Or The Conjuring or Conjuring, something. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah you're right. It is. Okay. So The Nun 2. Yeah, we got Expendables 4, <laughs> Saul 10, oh. The Equalizer 3, and The Nun 2. Wow. That's our September. <laughs> the only two movies I think we've seen that we have some passing interest in, possibly Haunting in Venice yeah. and The Creator. Yeah. So that's our two in September. Okay. Okay. Then we get to October, okay. and things don't look much better at this point. Um, we have Craven the Hunter. Oh. Yeah, which... 
Uh, Not interested. I think that will be the nadir of Marvel. Is that an official Marvel movie? Mm, it's a Sony. Sony still. This is okay. a Sony movie. Okay. Yeah. Very much a Sony. I mean, it's 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 in the got, Marvel universe. It's a partnership yeah. with Marvel. Sure. Marvel's logo is going to slap up on the screen for a few seconds, but it is a Sony picture. So let's not. We will not confuse the two. Sure. That's coming out October sixth. Not interested from what I've seen. I, I thought the trailer was very. Um, yeah, thought the trailer just didn't have a lot. Yeah, uh, going for it. Uh, the concept, everything. I'm not. I'm not interested. Uh, we have a new Exorcist movie. The Exorcist Believer coming out October 13th. Okay, but... David Gordon Green uh, is the director of this. Now, David Gordon Green, who did the last two or three Halloween movies. Right. The new trilogy on that. So what's your thoughts on this, Chris? This is interesting. I, 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 Okay. I like David Gordon Green as a director, regardless of opinions on his independent films. Some of the Halloween movies worked better for me than others, but overall I, I like what he's doing. I like what I see when I watch his films. I demonic possession, like I'll go see yeah. almost anything when you and I review horror movies, demonic possession stuff is just something that I've yeah. never really cared for. Basically I think because it kind of freaks me out or something like, I don't know which I get is obviously the point. Um, I have seen the original exorcist, but I really, the only thing that will get me in the theater to see this is the fact that David Gordon Green is directing yeah. it. But in difference to the Halloween movies, which I went out and saw them opening weekend, I will probably wait to hear if this is good because I, I just really hesitate about demonic possession stuff. Well, and it does not look like David Gordon Green is writing this in any way, shape or form. Oh, then that makes me even less. Peter Sattler, Scott teams are credited as writers as well as William Peter Blatley, who is the original, the original. author. Right, right. I think it's just based on his work. So is it, um, is it, is, do we know, is it like a, is it a retelling of the first one or is it just kind of like a next chapter type thing, like a sequel type thing? Or is it, would you say it was a new beginning? So that makes it. I mean, that's what they, that's what they're crediting it as. Okay. I'm looking right now to see. So basically the, the synopsis for this, let's, let's dig into this just for a second. Okay. It is considered a sequel to the 1973 film okay. about a 12 year old girl who's possessed by a mysterious demonic entity, forcing her mother to seek the help of two priests to save her. Okay. So sequel to the original one. But are they ignoring all the other ones? Maybe? Which is basically what he did with the Halloween That's franchise true. too. You know, same thing. It's like, okay, this is a sequel to the original one. We're Got kind you. of discounting all the other ones happening. Okay. That seems to be what they're saying as far as everything. Ellen Burstyn is in the film. Okay. And she was in the original 1973 Exorcist. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I, you know, it's been so long since I saw the original Exorcist. I do remember going to see Exorcist 3 <laughs> in the movie theater while I was in college. Oh, wow. On a double date, which is, that was not well advised. Um, <laughs> and I only thing I can remember about that movie, the only thing I can remember about Exorcist 3 is still one of the scariest moments. Sit in the hospital or something? Yes. Okay. The hospital, the white kind of ghost nurse kind of, yeah, that, that still terrifies me whenever I see it. So. See, I haven't even seen that film, but I know that there's a scene. I mean, that's the only scene I remember of the entire movie. Got you. I don't think there's anything else to it, but that <laughs> one shot, that one quick, oh my gosh. Um, okay, so pencil me in for curious, Okay. but like you, I'm not rushing out to see this unless I hear that there's something to it. Got you. I got to hear somebody tell me, yeah, there's something to, there's something there, something decent and good. 
Now, I would be saying that uh, October is going to be our month for Dune Part 2. But as we mentioned, I think maybe last week or week or two weeks ago for our news, there have been some delays because of the writers and actors strikes that, I mean, actors, even though this movie's done, or at least in final post-production, so actors and writers are not involved anymore, but it's the promotion of the film that's going to get hampered if actors don't go out and do promotion for it, which they can't when they're on strike. So Dune Part 2 was slated for October 19th. May not be happening, though. So if that doesn't happen, Chris, October is trash. Here's kind of a just theoretical question. And I guess I can't second-guess studios because they've been doing this for a long time and they know better than silly old me. For something like Dune 2, do you think it really makes a difference if they have them go on? Like, they've already got the promotion engine of the first film, and it did well. Yeah. And they I think already they do have a little previews bit. in theaters. And like, so you really think they're not I being able so. to go on David, not David Letterman, but not being able to go on the daily I, show. I think so. Being, just because it has, there was a little bit more of a gap between part one and part two. Okay. than most uh, okay. movies are trying to do now that are back to back parts one and parts two. Right. Uh, you know, you've got two kind of hot stars in it with uh, Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, both ones that, you know, get out on the red carpet and get some people's attention. Sure. I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I think they're needing that promotion push a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see if they make that call or not. But right now it's tentatively slated for October, but we'll see if it ends up uh, holding or, or delaying based on the strikes. Hmm. That's it for October. Okay. We get into November and okay. The movies step up a little bit in November. This okay. is where we start to see some of the bigger the bigger <laughs> movies coming in. Okay. We have the next Marvel movie, Captain Marvel 2, which is being called The Marvels. I think we talked about this in passing as well. I, I, uh, this is going to be a hard sell for Marvel. I think Marvel's got to really pick up their game on quality and the storytelling they're, they're doing. Nothing's given me much confidence about this. Seeing the trailers, seeing the premise, seeing the concept, I, I, I'm not seeing a big audience for this. Uh, I'd like to be wrong though, but we'll see. Be November 10th for Captain Marvel two slash the Marvels. Gotcha. Now, the one in November, one of two films in November, I think uh, I'm very excited for. We do have David Fincher's new film, The Killer. Okay, Michael Fassbender. Right? Michael Fassbender, Tilda okay. Swinton. Oh. In a two and a half hour action movie called The Killer. And this is, I think, op- it's uh, showing in the Toronto Film Festival. I think it's getting a big splash there. Word is good. It is David Fincher. It is David Fincher with Michael Fassbender. Fassbender, we really haven't seen do a lot lately. So I'm excited. I, I'm very excited. This is going to be. I think this is going to be good. So I wonder what the thinking with that is because it's at a film festival, even though stars may not be able to promote it, it'll get the hype of being at a film festival. So yeah. they're okay with releasing it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. so. And I think I, I, I do think a film like the killer doesn't need the red carpet as much. Cause I think just like people with Oppenheimer. Okay. It's Christopher Nolan. People go to the Christopher Nolan movie killer. People are going to go to a David Fincher movie. They just are. Right. You know, I just think there are enough film fans out there that's like they know a David Fincher movie doesn't come around every day. <laughs> and just about without exception, the movies are always high caliber, really good movies. Gotcha. I do think Michael Fassbender is due for a little bit of a resurgence to kind of get back in the game on 
highly acclaimed films because he did kind of wane for a while. He had some misfires. He got bogged down, I think, with the X-Men movies and some other stuff and just haven't really seen him do a a really like good movie in a while. So this could be could be it for him coming back. Um, but also in the same month, um, Michael Fassbender also has another movie coming out. The Next Goal Wins, which is a Taika Waititi movie. Uh, directed, also based on a true story. Based on a true story. Okay. It is a, a movie about soccer. Okay. Um, the trailer, I think, is funny. It looks could could be very formulaic, but it looks fun. Uh, it is Taika Waititi's written and directed it with Michael Fassbender and Elizabeth Moss. Um, so that's coming out November 17th. Kind of surprising that, you know, the killer slated for November 10th, although the t- killer could be coming out in limited release initially and then go wide later in November. But next goal wins. I don't know if that's going to be a wide release film or if that's going to stay somewhat limited in this, this scope. Right. But honestly, those are two I'm interested in. And then the third one that I think is going to be the big film in November is Napoleon. Okay. That is the Ridley Scott starring Joaquin Phoenix as the the titular Napoleon Bonaparte. It is an Apple Studios movie, but it is releasing in theaters first. But I think the plan is to have it go to Apple TV Plus within a relatively shorter window of time sure but it is going to be in theaters only initially okay so of those chris the killer next goal wins in napoleon kind of where, where where's your interest level at this point um i don't I, even throw captain marvel in there even though i know you're not not terribly excited yeah I, I wish i could be but yeah like i kind of alluded to with blue beetle i'm kind of burned out on comic book stuff so that would be the lowest one i'm interested in between the other three um, probably a battle between Napoleon and the killer, because actually I'll say, because, you know, a lot of times historical dramas are not my you know favorite niche, but, um, I do like Joaquin Phoenix and I do like, I really do like Ridley Scott, but I haven't seen a Fincher film in a while. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Fassbender in a while. Well, so. the last Fincher film was what, Mank? Um, I do not remember off the top. Or was it, um. Yeah, maybe. I think it was Mank. Hold on, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, our intern is running down the hall to <laughs> no, give I me right. notes on this. So hold tight. I'll be able to tell you. He did Mindhunter on Netflix, but then movie-wise, I think Mank. Yeah, it was Mank. Okay. Mank. Yeah, he did Mindhunter on TV. That was actually a little bit before Mank. Sure. Uh, he did an episode of Love, Death, and Robots uh, on, on Netflix, a TV series. But as far as movies go... Yeah, it was. Uh, he had done Gone Girl in 2014, and then he did Mank in 2020. So that was six years between movies. Right. Coming up to Mank, and now we're at three, almost four years between this and The Killer. So, uh, yeah. So you're, which one did you say you're most interested in? Uh, the, I would probably the, say The Killer. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's where I am, too. I okay. am. I love Fassbender. I like Fincher when he's, when he's on his game. Uh, this seems like right up Fincher's alley. This <laughs> It does concept and story so let's do it now i didn't mention one two films uh, also in november we do have a hunger games prequel the ballad of songbirds and snakes might tie for the longest title also (laughs) all that needs is a part one and it would like definitely win that um that is coming up november 17th and also disney's film wish uh which is an animated film uh, is coming out November 22nd as well. Okay. Don't know much about wish. Don't know very little about the hunger games prequel. Um, the hunger games prequel. The only thing that gives me any 
I loved, I loved the books. Well, the first two books, which is actually kind of how I felt. The first movie I really liked, Catching Fire, it was okay. And then Mockingbird just kind of crashed mm-hmm. and burned. Um, and I, yeah, they split up into two movies. Which The only thing that gives me any hope for this is that the writer, Suzanne Meyer, did actually write the book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they are basing it off a prequel book that she wrote. If they just yeah. came up with the idea, oh, we're going to do a prequel, and they just made the movie, probably wouldn't you know be very concerned about it. I still am not looking forward to seeing it, but I have a little glimmer of hope because she bothered to write, you know, she, she wrote a book and then they mm-hmm. said, okay, now we're going to turn it into a movie. So I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious. Probably be like uh, the exorcist movie. I'll probably kind of do a wait and see approach. Yeah. So well, there's one more movie I forgot to mention. Okay. It's a trolls band together. Is coming oh, out November 17th. And that was one of the 5,432 yeah. trailers we saw before Barbie. Yeah, it was. And okay, if we had people looking at their watch during the Blue Beetle, people were like actively getting cranky during the Trolls, trolls. band together thing. But what was funny, I mean, you saw the same batch of trailers, I'm sure I did. So we had the Trolls trailer, and then there wasn't there like a rated R movie trailer also like right next to it that was like, I thought, completely on the other end of the spectrum and just kind of very polarizing for the audience and the, <laughs> there was and the crowd. Something like what that. was it? I can't remember, but I think you're right. Cause it's a PG 13 film Barbie. Right. So we can show our like, or PG movie right, previews, right. but it was just, it was a weird dichotomy. It was like, <laughs> here's the trolls and they're singing and it's all family and happy. And then there's one that was like, Oh wow, this one's, <laughs> this one's a little edgier. This right. one's a little, a little more adult. So yeah, yeah. I have to look that up. Okay, so that's November. So November, we've actually got some decent films coming out, some things of interest for sure. Okay. Then we get to December. And uh, December is slated right now, even though these are all also subject to change. Sure. Supposed to be Wonka, which we showed the trailer for that in the last couple of episodes. And which we agree could be the holiday movie if they don't bump it. But Could be. Yeah. So it's slated right now December 15th. We will see. Okay. Um. I'm going to go ahead and say that I think the rest of these are not happening because okay. Ghostbusters is supposed to have an afterlife sequel coming out in December, but there's been nothing mentioned about oh, this. Yeah, I think so it's not so happening. Uh, it was slated for December 20th. That's not going to happen. There's supposed to be a fourth Star Trek movie. That is not happening because nothing has been said with that. Oh, still using the... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Huh. Uh, Zack Snyder uh, is supposed to have his Rebel Moon Movie, his big sci-fi epic. Yeah, and that's done, but you're saying you don't think it's going to come out. Uh, I mean, it's July. We haven't seen anything about it. I mean, by by July. Is he a theatrical release? Yeah, I think. uh, Ooh, that's a good question. Because I know he did one for Netflix that was like zombies. I can't remember what the name of it was. but um, Yeah, I know he did some on Netflix there. I don't know if Rebel Moon. Oh, no, it's going to be a standalone Netflix film. Okay. So it could still push out in December. Because Netflix... I guess I don't know Netflix doesn't care about they don't push it maybe this early yeah uh, so that still could be happening but again we've heard very little I, I don't know for sure if that's happening okay uh, Aquaman the Lost Kingdom it's supposed to be Christmas Day of December and I think that one's also rumored to possibly be being bumped hmm. so I don't know December's a little a little weird there's just not a lot else there that we know for sure is going to happen I think these strikes are really going di- to dictate in the next month or so whether we're going to have a dearth of movies in December or not, um, yeah. even November. I mean, I think Napoleon's going to happen. I feel pretty strong about that in November. I think the killer will still happen. 
whether Marvel bumps movies, uh, its movie uh, in November. I, I don't know. Hmm. It's good questions all the way around. Now, what I haven't mentioned is October going back, and I don't know why it's not on this list that I've been reviewing, but I know we got Flowers of the Killer Moon right. coming out. That is going to theaters, as, and then shortly afterwards will be Apple TV+, Plus. Okay. I think. Same idea as Napoleon. Okay. And that's, of course, the new Scorsese film coming out with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, but let me look and see if there's any other films I'm missing, because I feel like that list I was just using was a little so lighter. Apple TV Plus is going to have two huge films gunning for Oscar. I mean, Napoleon and The Killer, I'm assuming. Those, I mean, both by big directors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, well, let, me, let me throw out just the a couple killer. more. Killers of the Flower Moon, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Killers Adventure. Let me throw out just a couple more that should have mentioned. Sure. The list I was looking at was not the most complete list of films. So I'm just going to hit a couple more quick ones. Uh, in September, we do have the film Poor Things, the Yorgos Lanthimos film. Now I'd heard rumors that that might get booted. And it very well may have, okay. which may be why it wasn't on the other list I was looking at. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am. It was slated for September 8th, okay. but that may not be Yorgos happening. Lanthimos, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into his movies. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Challengers is also supposed to be September 15th. We showed the trailer for that a couple weeks ago. I'm excited for that film. It's still getting previews. Oh yeah, Challengers. That's was what one. it was. That was the Before, film that, like, right after the yeah, Trolls trailer, was like definitely oh, more adult. Okay, yeah, definitely yeah. an interesting more film. Yeah. Challengers, I'm excited about. I want to see that, and that's uh, that's slated right now for September 15th. Okay. Okay. Uh, October, we covered all of those except for Flowers of the Killer Moon, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Sorry, October 20th in Same. theaters. Uh, that one, of course, is it's going to be a big deal. That one's going to be a big deal, I think. Uh, November, we mentioned Dune. We mentioned Marvels. We mentioned Netflix. Oh, The Killer's on Netflix. Really? Is it not getting a theatrical release? Surely it is. So you're saying Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon are both on Apple TV+, and you're saying The Killer by David Fincher is going to be on Netflix. Yes. There's no way they're not going to do a theatrical release for that. I, I, I mean, I... Maybe uh, <laughs> listeners hold tight. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm researching this as we speak because I'm I will very say, curious. Yeah. I will say something that's been discussed. Granted, this is for best picture starting in 2025 is that they're going to require an expanded theatrical run to qualify for best picture. Now it won't be the case in 2024, which is when these films will be, you know, but like supposedly that is, you can't just do going to straight to Netflix or only like, a week in a theater. You have to do an expanded theatrical run. So what have you found out? Uh, So the killer starring Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton is going to Netflix, November, 2023. Okay. It is playing at the Venice film festival premiering there, Okay. but it will actually be a released on Netflix. Okay. So that rule about best picture qualification hasn't started yet. So I guess that's why they're not doing it because they don't have to, I guess. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, and then in, in December, I'm looking to see if there was anything else missing that we didn't. Yeah, Rebel Moon is also a Netflix movie. That is okay. the uh, uh, Zack Snyder Zach one. Snyder. So Netflix has got a couple big movies that are going to be straight to Netflix. Mm-hmm. That's The Killer and then Rebel Moon. Uh, Apple TV Plus has two big movies, but they are releasing them in theaters first for a few weeks and then going to their streaming service. Right. Um, and then we don't know about release dates for sure of Aquaman. Or Wonka, 
some of those are possibly moving. Uh, one that I didn't mention in December, I'm seeing now that I definitely want to mention is the color purple. So we do have the new okay, musical musical version of the color purple uh, coming uh, produced by Oprah Winfrey on December 25th as well. So that is the year remaining. Okay. Now, Chris, just really quick. I know we're, we went maybe a little long on this, but it's good catch up. It's good for me to plot out my film going schedule for the rest <laughs> sure. of the year. Sure. Of the films we've talked about, what are the ones that could be talked about in your prediction come Academy Award time from this latter half of the Assuming year? Assuming they're going to be released. Assuming that. they're the, the ones are released that we talked about. So I would think Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. Um, the Killer and then Napoleon. I yep. think and if it's released, The Color Purple. Yeah, I think The Color Purple could be one too. I mean, we saw the trailer for the first time. I did anyway last night. It looks good. I mean, it looks, yeah. it looks like it could be a really good film. So sure. I'm excited to see that. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you on those. Those are the ones I would say are, are the ones I could see rising to the top as well. Um, I mean, Dune, I think is obviously a can't, if it gets released this year for a lot of visual effects and other awards there, it sure. did not get nominated for any of the bigger quote, bigger awards. Didn't get any acting awards. Didn't get any best picture awards. I think it was nominated cinematography possibly, but definitely like visual effects, production right. design and all that. Right. Um, yeah, but you know what, Chris? I mean, you mentioned three films, and you're right. That's the three films I think that could get some buzz. And then you look from the first half of the year, we got Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. and we got Barbie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there any, I mean, has there been anything else? Spider-Verse. Well, yeah. Cross the Spider-Verse, films, obviously right. animation will get, uh, some, but I think it could, I think it could get some love beyond that too. But really, there's not a lot else, right? I mean, am I wrong? I, depending on your thoughts on Asteroid City, which we did review here on the show, I just don't think it's going to get any right. any kind of credit or love. Right. Um, there's nothing. Right. I mean, really, it's it's Oppenheimer, Barbie, then you know, possibly, and again, we're speculating on sure. the killer, right. uh, killers of the Flower Moon. Napoleon. Napoleon. Yeah. And assuming that those will be ones that will get some buzz, uh, Oscar buzz, but we don't know. Right. Yeah, it's going to be kind of weird. It will be. Kind of weird. But I'm actually a little in, intrigued that they all seem to be bigger movies that could get some good box office numbers to be Oscar nominated films. What about, I mean, were there any independent films, like smaller films that are kind of in that Oscar buzz territory right now too? <sighs> I know past lives has kind of been a critical darling right. for a good part of the year. It gets a official wider release, I think in August. Um, but are there other ones? Not, not that I'm aware of, but yeah, past lives is one that I've heard a lot. It's kind of like this year's after sun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, um, all right, well, that'll make it interesting. I I'm yeah. Curious about the rest of the year now. We'll see how absolutely. things shape up. And of course, all that's possibly in flux. Because if studios can't promote the films effectively, they don't want to release it and not maximize the box office return for it. So uh, these strikes could have much, much greater implications. I mean, there are already big implications for obviously people in those careers. Absolutely. But it has a spillover implication on the movie going public and that not just films are being stopped being made, but stop films are maybe not even going to be released because of lack of promotion by the actors. So. Right. 
Okay. Well, I think that wraps up our 2023 preview so far. Handful of films excited about. Handful I'm looking forward to. Uh, looks like I've got a reason to keep my Netflix subscription going for <laughs> at least a few more months. There you go. Um, so, yes. If you have any feedback for us or maybe films we forgot to mention on the 2023 preview or you saw Barbie and you've got you want to echo any of our thoughts or have any contrary thoughts, we'd love to hear those as well. Chris, how, how do they go about doing that with us? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Foot Candle Film. We are on Facebook, Foot Candle Film Society. We're on Instagram and threads at just Foot Candle Film. Al and I are also on Letterboxd where we try to track what we're seeing and leave quick takes. Uh, if you would like to be on Blue Sky, I am on Blue Sky. Uh, I have a giveaway code. I can uh, give a code away. So just email to info at footcandle.org and I can send that to you. And then you can jump on Blue Sky if you care to be on there. Uh, do us a favor. If you like the show, give us a star rating, write a review, share with friends or whatever service you receive your favorite podcasts on because it will help us reach new listeners. We would appreciate it. And ladies and gentlemen, the lineup for the 2023 Foot Candle Film Festival is now online. The festival will be September 15th through the 24th. You can go online now at footcandlefilmfestival.com and see the lineup for the different films we have coming. We're really excited about it. We think it'll be a lot of fun. If you're going to be in Western North Carolina, we encourage you to come on out to the festival. We think you'll have a good time. It will be a very good time. So please uh, come join us in September for the festival. We've got some great films selected to screen and some great events. So it'll be a, a great time. Footkindlefilmfestival.com, as Chris mentioned, is where you go to get tickets, see the schedule, make your plans to come visit. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's show then. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will look forward to talking to everybody next time. Take care. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.